All right. Welcome to Reactive. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Raquel Velas, and I am here... With one of your other hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Henning. <laughs> the two strangers. <laughs> no, I know. It's been so long. Uh, sadly, Khalil is unable to join us today. Um, he's he's basically busy. Um, I, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's, no, that's uh, not true. He's, he's recording or something, isn't he? He's doing some, he some is artistic stuff. He's doing... Yeah, yes. he's being artsy mm-hmm. while while we are being technical. He's using the other side of his brain. <clears throat> oh, that's right. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> good on you, Khalil. I hope your performance goes really, really awesome later this week. Um, so, um, I was gonna come. With, I was gonna try to come up with something like cool, like evil Henning, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't see. I don't think there's an evil Khalil. There's just no, maybe mischievous, not not evil. No. Yeah. Yeah. The prankster. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, how's it going? Good, good. Um, <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. <laughs> it has, it has. So the reason I was out is because we had a, uh, a major project that we were rolling out at work, which is actually kind of interesting. And it was, uh, even though it was <clears throat> a lot of work and we put in a lot of hours, it was actually super fun. And um, what we did was um, we integrated, so we have... We have multiple e-commerce platforms, and um, basically we have one that is about the equivalent of five or six others as far as sales goes. And the little ones, like the bunch of little ones we'd already had um, integrated with our order fulfillment, order processing, etc. system that all goes into our ERP system. So the the challenge or the, the task at hand was to basically take the, the last remaining one, um, the fairly large uh, website that has a very high order intake, at least for our um, uh, purposes, I guess, uh, and switch that thing over. Uh, so we did. We decided to do that during low order volume, which was about uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. So we had quite a few hands on deck overnight to get that done. And and the thing, I guess the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to talk to you about or, or what, what I'm curious about is so we've been planning this for a very long time, and I'm, you know, these kinds of moves that involve, you know, several large complex systems, they usually don't go as planned. They're kind of risky, and they take much longer than anticipated. And sometimes they they just they fail, uh, and that's a really really bad thing. Um, so what we we've been doing is we we did as much testing as we thought was reasonably possible, and then. There just came this point where we said, okay, we're just going to have to, uh, or we're going to, not have to, we're going to basically flip the switch and, um, you know, get this thing running. And then we're, we'll, you know, either hit a point where we say, okay, this isn't going to work. We got to roll back and, and try it another day. Or we just, you know, move forward and fix as we go with any issues that come up that were, you know, unforeseen. And there's always things that you just, you can't predict, um, Especially Mm -hmm. when, at least I believe, when you have, you know, um, legacy systems involved that you don't know all the quirks of, etc. So we we chose the latter. (laughs) And um, (laughs) which um, makes some people nervous, but it actually worked really, really well. Um, We are still doing a little bit of of cleanup, you know, some, some, uh, I'd say, call them minor issues are still out there. 
but for the most part, it went remarkably well. So the there was you know two teams in two different offices working on two different ends of the problem, and then we, yeah, I guess disabled the the order flow into the old system and basically just switched it over to the new system and started ingesting the the orders into into our you know newest ERP system and started processing all that stuff and uh went nicely so awesome. i guess it was yes it was uh, we were pretty happy and there was a lot of surprise people because um there were, there were skeptics <laughs> let's just put it that way um no but it was um it was i'm not going to joke or not going to kid around it was stressful as 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 can be but i have to say all in all it was a really fun time and coming out the other end with a with a relatively few issues and nothing nothing disastrous was really really cool um but so yeah the thing is this like when do you decide or do you have i and i don't know if you can or want to speak about how you guys do this but and maybe you haven't mm -hmm. had these kind of um transitions but you know there's only so much like end-to-end -end testing you can do and setting up sandboxes especially with i mean this mm -hmm. is this is something it's not um it's like software as a service. It's basically it's NetSuite, which is a monster. It's it's an Oracle product. That's our mm -hmm. basically our ERP backend. And you know you get a sandbox with them, but um, it takes like seventy two hours to synchronize the production environment to the sandbox environment. So you will never have the exact production environment that you can test against. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so we just, you know, said we are confident enough, we understand the problem well enough, we think, that we're going mm -hmm. to do this now, right? Um, right. So, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, so, okay, we've had a couple of very hairy deployments. Um, when we when we created free orgs, actually, we... Um, behind the scenes, we actually completely gutted our entire billing system and had to do a full, 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 uh, check against like, uh, like we had to do a complete database, like switch over. Like we had to like bring all of the current customers over into a new billing system. Um, and we had to make sure that it felt completely seamless for them. Like they had right. to not notice at all. Um, and I think, the only thing we could do to make that, I mean, it still didn't quite turn out the way that we wanted it to, um, but most users didn't notice. Uh, but when you have enough users, even like 1% of users can still be a lot of individuals. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had a lot of checklists, like a ton of checklists. And we had throughout the process um, kind of go, no-go points. Yeah. We were like, all right, Worst case scenario, if this doesn't work, like we stop everything and roll back. Um, unfortunately, when you're doing a full database migration, you can't always, like exactly, there gets to be a point yeah. where you can't. And so you just have to keep going. You're like, all right, well, we're going, we're doing this. Um, so we did a lot of checks. Like we had a bunch of scripts that did a like, all right, assuming this edge case, what will happen to this user? Assuming this type of user, what will happen to them when we migrate them? What will their account look like after migration? Um, and we try to come up with as many edge cases as we possibly could so that 
when we merged everything together, when we, we did the swap, like, like I said, as few people as possible were affected. Um, it was scary. It was real scary. Uh, (laughs) and sadly for our support team, uh, it was even scarier (laughs) because they were the ones who were at the front lines after we were done. Like we were like, Oh, thank goodness. We did it. We're done. See you later. We're going to go take naps. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and for support, we're like, ah, <laughs> we were all asleep. And they were like, we're screwed. <laughs> we're like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. They're like, no, we're screwed. And then we had to like go in and fix a whole bunch of stuff still. And it was just, I mean, there's, there's never perfection we went we did it really well we were really proud of ourselves um but here's a big question does your team do retros do you do you do retrospectives and like look back on what went well what didn't go so well uh what what can be improved for next time we have one planned for this particular event because this is probably like the biggest one that we've had Mm -hmm. that has involved the most you know people And um, I think what you said was really, really interesting because, you know, in theory, you have these, um, especially in a lot of um, frameworks, you have these database rollback uh, or these migrations that if something goes wrong, you could roll it back. But in, 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 in like production is if you're working in a system that has live data coming in constantly and you can't turn it off or you can't buffer Mm -hmm. it. There yep. is no rolling back. If you put in a new column and it starts populating, you can't get rid of that. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that just doesn't work. But then the other point was, um, uh, I thought it was interesting. You said you also had go, no go points that we did that. So daily meetings beforehand and each department had to, you know, basically say it was like a freaking rocket launch, you know, so-and-so <laughs> department go or no go. And then at the end we were all go. And, um, yeah, so, so we so we um, we successfully did that, but I think that is exactly the same experience that we had. You can't, or we mm-hmm. didn't. It didn't go absolutely perfectly. There were cases right. that we just couldn't, um, we didn't anticipate. It was just it's mm-hmm. impossible. Oh, and, it's completely uh, impossible. Yeah. There's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, we actually like I like to think of it as um, there's this. I have no idea what their name is, um, but somebody likened, uh, so like our CTO likes to talk about how when you're, um, when you're planning a project, it's, it's like map building, right? Like mm-hmm. in the sense of like, you have this general idea of how things work, but it's not until you actually get to that point that you can really fill in how, how easy or difficult or, complex or simple something's going to be um and i like to think of it did you ever play world or did you ever play warcraft not world of warcraft but just regular warcraft okay (laughs) um have you played any video games like like role-playing um video games no not really okay like long Um, long time ago but no (laughs) well okay so the idea at least in, in in warcraft is that um as you're moving around the world this virtual world, like you start off in this, like this little patch in the middle of the screen is like everything that you, that your character can see and everything else is black. Mm -hmm. And then as you move around the world, like it starts exposing more of the land. Right. And so like, you have no idea where the gold mines are or the, 
um, the tr- the forests are so you can chop down trees. Like you don't know where all your resources are and you don't know all those things. Um, and so like for me, shipping a product, like when you're first starting, you only have that, that same, like you start out with that same very tiny worldview of what you have available to you. And then as you're doing the project, it's like your little character is moving around your <laughs> the world really and you start analogy. to expose more, right? <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's the tricky thing, right? Just when you think you know everything that could possibly happen, just when you think that, that you could, um, you know, you'll, you'll move from one end of the little island to the other. And then you're like, okay, I think we've got the whole thing. Then suddenly a shipload of orcs suddenly show up and now you have to like attack them. And you're like, I was not planning for this. I yeah. thought I was done. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hopefully even though you, you haven't played, you can pick no, up this, on what No, I'm yeah, I, I like, know what you're talking about. Command and Conquer yeah. was like that as well. You would sort okay. of uh, yeah, uncover the map. Yeah. That was the last like game I played like passionately. That was cool. I cool. had to quit right. that because my grades suffered. But anyway, I think that's a that's an ex- that's an excellent analogy. Um, yeah, the one thing so, that yeah. that sort of turned out to be one of the most important things for us was um, communication. And you sort of indicated, you know, people being um, scared or not. And I, I think this all comes from basically not understanding the complexity of the problem and it being sort of a black box and having to rely on certain people that you know to what what they're telling you is 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 accurate and um they know what they're doing right so i'm talking mm-hmm. like management like what's going on why is this not working right now so you get like inundated with these <clears throat> with these questions so what we put in place at first or before we started this was sort of a an escalation process that instead of everybody bombarding development in slack and and on email and phone calls we would basically have it channeled through a single person who had an you know an extremely good overview of the organization itself on on who's responsible for what and also understands technically quite well what's happening mm-hmm. and then she decided how that then got routed you know and then mm-hmm. basically in development as you know certain people came on and and left again we sort of said, okay, this person wants he wants you to call them when something's happening. Don't do it on Slack because they're busy with something or whatever, you know. Yeah. And that worked pretty well too. And then, you know, that's now continuing. We basically started this, um, we just created a Jira dashboard with all the sort of top priority issues so everybody has visibility into it and sees what we're working on and how that goes because there's just, and a previous project, we communication was sort of uh, <clears throat> not thought of beforehand. <laughs> and we just got a bazillion questions and it got completely ridiculous. We were chasing yeah. down problems that didn't exist and just burning up time that we didn't have. And so this time that went much, much better as well. So, cool. um, yeah, if, if you're planning something like that, set up some sort of escalation process, I guess, depending on how big your organization is and who's, who's impacted, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's also important, like, and like the best thing you can do is, is like start the planning as early as possible and like try to like futz out, like, like figure out all of the different possibilities as early as you can. We actually started creating a a product release checklist so that at the beginning of a project, you're asking yourself all of these important questions, like who's in charge of this and who's in charge of that and who declares go, no go on certain pieces Mm -hmm. and like giving responsibility to the right people 
Because what we found was that without that checklist at the beginning, by the end of our project, we had like two people who were responsible for everything. Yeah. Um, and like we had one person in particular who was responsible for a majority of the code and for the majority of the ops and a majority oh. of, of the technical leadership of everything else. So like everybody had a little bit of, of, of knowledge of some of the bunch of like tiny things, mm-hmm. but this one person was in charge of a lot of like all of the one really big thing. And so like if he had gotten sick <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, got a bad splinter, like he'd be the only, like, like we were, we were we'd be screwed just yeah. straight up screwed. And it would have been real bad. Yeah. Um, so that's a really yeah, good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about because yeah. that is one thing that it has become very apparent. And we have, um, I mean, I've known about this for a while. I just, we haven't had the bandwidth to deal with it. But we have one system in particular that is sort of the heavy lifter uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to processing all sorts of things. Um, and that is basically built by a single person. And Ooh. yes, exactly. So um, he's, you know, and this is not just a risk for, for the business, but it's also, it sucks for him because yeah. he can't go yeah. anywhere without his laptop and an internet connection. So he is now, uh-huh. right now, for the first time, <laughs> he has some time off and he's playing World of Warcraft, I think, <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> So I got sort of an introduction to his his system. I got sort of a high level <laughs> overview of that. But so this this whole thing with siloing um, developers into specific projects is is also something that is um, it's difficult because maybe you have projects that are not big enough that don't warrant like multiple developers, or maybe mm-hmm. that's just how it works out because of how things are laid out. Mm-hmm. But Sooner or later, that presents a, a real problem. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, yeah, so definitely. we need to sort of, what is, what is it even called? De-silo or diversify or something, cross-training? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. I mean, so one thing that we've done, because we definitely, I mean, we can make, we can easily make the argument that NPM started as like, you know, an entire system all in one person's head, right? Because it was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was an open source project that one person created. Um, and now we have, you know, over 20 people working at NPM, uh, over half of whom are engineers. And so like, we can't let all of that live in Isaac's head anymore. And in fact, at this point, I think he doesn't know anything about how <laughs> things work. Like he thinks he does <laughs> really cute. Um, but there are multiple times where we're like, no, that it doesn't work like that anymore. Um, and he's like, oh, cool. Teach me. So he's actually pretty good about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but we have also like, even in the evolution to where we are now, we've had other people kind of like rewrite systems, but then they make it into this massive monolith that they only, they know everything about it. And, And that tends to happen, I think with, um, smaller companies that grow, Mm-hmm. Because there's just so few people that like, especially in like the early days of NPM Inc, like there'd be one person in charge of the website, one person in charge of the registry, right? Like, like because there was only like seven people. And so one person in charge of the CLI. And then once we, as we started growing, we had more people in each of those teams and then blah, 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 blah yeah. um, which was great. Uh, but we had the same issue, right? And um, some people are really dark and they call it hit by a bus 
Yeah, syndrome. the bus factor thing, uh, yeah. I, I like to think of it less darkly and think of it as like, uh, I call it the albatross problem, where uh, the scenario is an albatross has come into your hometown and has cut off all internet access. And everybody's fine, everybody's good, everybody's cool, you still have your families, the grocery stores still work, but there's no internet access at all. Um, someone else pointed out to me that we could just call it the vacation problem, like what happens if somebody goes on vacation. I was like, that is too easy and not cute. Um, but <laughs> in these albatross situations, you can't, you can't have like, you, like, what are you going to do? You're going to halt the entire business because somebody's stuck without internet. Like that's terrible. So what we've actually started doing is we've been, um, we've been breaking down, like it's also really difficult to scale a monolith, right? Like exactly. just from a yep. purely technical perspective, having a monolith covering a huge part of the technical stack is kind of dangerous because if something happens with it, it goes down or whatever, then yeah, you know things get point of failure, yeah, not exactly good. Mm -hmm. so we've been breaking down our monoliths into lots of smaller pieces um and trying to ensure that i mean and also you know open it like so in the process of so we, we kind of hit kill we hit this in two ways right in the process of of improving our monolithic service structure system situation uh, um we break it down into a bunch of smaller services. What that means is that we need new people to take care of all of those different services. And we try to turn them into projects. So there's multiple people working on them. If we can, um, you might, we might find that like a sub service ends up only getting built by one person, but if it's small enough, there's no reason why they can't document it really well. Right. right? Like that's one of the issues about a big monolith. If it's huge, then no one person is going to be able to walk into it and suddenly know how it works. But if it's really tiny, then it might only take like two hours to figure out what the heck is going on and then just fix it or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. So now, of course, there's the trade-off of many tiny services means that the orchestration, it's, you know, yeah. yeah. So there, I don't think there's a silver bullet for this. True. But I think, yeah, if you yeah. Br break the functionality up into more discrete pieces, then I, th I think at least you have a better chance because those things yeah. operate. Maybe it's maybe it's an illusion. I don't know because it still has to all work together, right? Um, mm -hmm. And overall, maybe it's even more complicated. But if it's broken out in that way, that it's really completely separate, then at least you have a better chance of understanding the um, the individual pieces faster mm -hmm. uh, and you know you have a clearer boundary of what comes in and what goes out with a monolith that's not necessarily the case so interesting yeah okay so we're not the only ones with that problem <laughs> are you there hello oh dear. hi i'm here oh yeah no, i'm here okay yeah it 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 cut out. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're good. Anyway, so um, yeah, those are my 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 big topics. I uh, I heard a blurb out of uh, Uberland. Oh yeah, <laughs> my favorite my favorite company to hate. Um, yeah, Travis is out. Yeah, Travis is out. Interesting. Um, I I thought that. Um, so I, I do want to say I'm not 
I'm not a horrible human. I mean, there are moments, but in in general, I'm not actually that horrible. I did learn that um, he went on a on a leave of absence because his mother was tragically uh, killed or you know died uh, in a tragic accident. Um, and so, from a human perspective, my heart goes out to him because that is like the worst thing in the entire world, and that sucks. Yeah. From a from a professional perspective. Um, Apparently, my understanding is that the board asked him to just straight up leave. Um, and so from that perspective, from a, from a purely professional perspective, yay, <laughs> get out. <laughs> Stop this, this madness. Now, that said, I don't know it's as easy to fix a culture by simply removing, like, the, you know, the heart of the Hydra. Cause there's still lots of heads all in there. Like one person alone cannot make an entire company awful. It, I mean, yes, he was all the way at the top, but it requires a bunch of people being like, yes, I will help you make this company terrible. Um, and so until everybody else is, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still not convinced that Uber is a good place to work. But didn't they um, let a whole bunch of people go like 20 or they 40 did. or something? They did. There was a, a huge report that was like, wow, this this culture is actually super toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should fire all of these people. Um, and so that's cool. Um, uh, I, I, I hope, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, I will not be part of that journey. Although I will say that a, a fellow engineer <laughs> uh, that I know recently received an email from Uber recruitment saying, be part of our leadership, our technical leadership, help us change Uber. Hmm. And, and it, it was ensued, like the laughter that ensued was just, it was, it was cacophony really. And for those of you who are not native English speakers, look up the word cacophony. It's a, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> it was just laughter all around. Cause it's like, no, no, I will not. I will not leave my whatever any other job that I have to go to Uber. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah after knowing everything that down. that's that goes on or has gone on, it's it's be hard to. Yeah. yeah. No. Last week I saw an article that said that Uber was was feeling really sad because they were, they were having a hard time hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not just. I mean, I'm willing to give them. Uh, I'm willing to admit that yes, they have they have encountered a very interesting technical problem, and they have scaled it really well, and they have addressed the technical problem very interestingly. I don't like their business model, and I don't like their culture. And uh, pro tip for people looking for jobs: it's not enough to just like the technical piece. There's so much more to working at a company than just the technology yeah. unless you are a robot if you are a robot then that is fine <laughs> but i don't think you are yeah mm-hmm. well be we'll we'll be following that and see what what happens yes. i guess yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um i have some really cool science news oh really i don't know if it's really tech news but it's really cool science news hey that uh, <laughs> uh although we can turn it into tech news um so mm-hmm. It's, yesterday, it was announced that scientists used a method called CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, oh, yes, yeah. to reverse Huntington's disease in mice. Now, Huntington's disease is 
uh, a genetic disease. It's fatal. Um, as of yet, there's no cure in humans. And basically it, it kills the, the nerves in your, in your body. It just degenerates your nerve cells. And, um, over time you have a, have a, you lose your ability to like think really clearly. Uh, you have involuntary movements, like your arms will just start randomly moving and all sorts of things like that. It'll degenerate your ability to walk. It's, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. Um, but it turns out that the sequence for Huntington's it's, it's in, it's a genetic sequence and it just has like, you know, one little, um, one little gene in the, or not gene, um, one base pair is like flipped or something. It's it's like, like there's a tiny genetic thing that it's just something in your DNA. It's it's just crossed. And Mm. so, um, what CRISPR does is it basically finds like it, it has like two pieces to it. it. The first piece is find me the, the wrong DNA sequence. And then I will attach to the wrong DNA sequence and kind of like override it with the correct DNA sequence. And what that'll do is not only fix the DNA that it currently exists, but also when, um, when the, like when transcription comes by to, to like make new cells, it'll only, it'll, it'll have the fixed version as well. So all the new cells that come in will be with the correct, uh, genomic sequence. So basically it's a cure. It's a cure to gene editing. Yeah, exactly. It's like recursive gene editing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's like, it's super cool. And this is, this is huge. If this, if this works, like it works in mice. So it'll probably go on to human testing. But like, can you imagine a world where you walk into the doctor's office and you go like the doctor's like, uh, so, you know, turns out you have, a, a you know, there's something wrong in, in your DNA. Um, it, if we don't, you know, treat it right now, it's, uh, you know, it, it could lead to, you dying in 20 years, uh, or I can give you this, this shot or this pill or whatever. And by the time, like you'll hang out here for an hour. And by the time you're done, you won't have that anymore. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so the delivery mechanism is, I don't know. I didn't even realize how, how on earth would this even work? Like Uh, is it a machine or is it a chemical or, I mean, I I don't Um, know. Well, no, it's all DNA. So it, it, it basically, you just have, I, I would think it'd be an injection. Um, so it goes into your, into your bloodstream, um, into, you know, or into some cells. Gosh, now my biology, like, <laughs> I feel like we're out of our biology. field here, clearly. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, but what is DNA except code, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's totally true. This. Um, <laughs> we're doing some refactoring here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's really what it's doing. Right. And so like, um, somebody's putting in a pull request into your system and, and you're merging it. And, and it, it, it just like, it's, it's a really nice script that goes through and like, um, Ooh, Ooh, okay. Here's what it is. It's basically imagine it's like, uh, you know, prettier or standard or something like that. And you're just doing like in standard land, you can do standard dash dash fix oh, that basically yeah. takes your whole code base and like reformats it so that it, it fits the, the standard, uh, linter. <laughs> so linter. this a is just a linter. <laughs> The human linter. Dang. <laughs> Excellent. So, we connected the so, two things. 
It's so good. It's so yes. Okay. So this is what it is. It's a linter for Huntington's disease. It just gets rid of it. So instead of semicolon Huntington disease, you get rid of all the stupid semicolon Huntington diseases and it's gone. No more semicolons anywhere in your human code base. Crazy. I I don't even want to know what like the, I mean, can you think of or, or imagine like the, the ethical dilemma implications and all the things that people are going to want to do and oh god it could it could i mean i think this is pretty limited in terms of what it can do Mm -hmm. it's really based only on like if you have one weird base pair or something like that um my husband was telling me about it and he was like so what this means maybe it can cure your cilantro gene and i was like (laughs) no there's not it's not broken (laughs) My cilantro tea is not broken. <laughs> it's not my fault. Cilantro tastes like soap, soap, and maybe, maybe it'll fix everybody else. So they all know that we can just get rid of cilantro forever. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's hilarious. Wow, that but, that's amazing, though. Um, that's yeah, insane. it's pretty. It's, it's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in uh, tech-ish news, but not you know web tech or, you know, programming languages news. Um, I don't know if you remember, but some in, in May, 2016, so about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, there was a, a situation in which a Tesla was on autopilot and then, um, it like went underneath a semi tractor trailer yeah. or underneath a semi and it, like, so like the, the truck was fine. But the person inside uh, the the Tesla um, unfortunately did not make it. Yeah. Um, so the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Security Board, Safe, safety maybe, safety safety yeah safety that board. Makes, I think um, uh, <sighs> yes yes the safety board yeah you're much better American than I am. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, they just came out with the report. They have no conclusions, but they um, they did they did like they do have a bunch of data. And what they they showed was um, that at least in this particular Model S, I think it was, yeah, it was a Model S. Um, the the Model S told the driver to please uh, take hold of the steering wheel mm-hmm. for six minutes. Six oh, minutes. Yeah. Or did. Um, and so like, this is no longer possible in, in Tesla's anymore. They've since made it so that if, if the Tesla has to ask you twice or something, it's going to stop or something. It basically just stops. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not paying attention. We're just going to go ahead and stop. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was, that was near here. I think even that accident. Oh, yes. Yes. It was was in Florida. It was on highway 27A. Um, And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, like, but so they, they couldn't figure out exactly why the Tesla couldn't see it. Um, so I think what happened is, is that the Tesla did see it, didn't think that it could handle it by itself and told the driver to please take hold of the wheel. Okay. Um, and spent six minutes trying to tell the driver to take hold of the wheel and the driver just didn't. Um, and so no conclusions, just data. Um, but with that kind of data, I would say, you know, the driver just wasn't paying attention or maybe there were sensors that were broken. And and so who knows? There's a lot of ways to data. Um, but I thought that 
was interesting. That was like, all right, they have all this data, and I don't know is the is the autopilot broken? Is it not broken? Is this something we need to worry about with self driving cars or not? I don't know. Well, it's I think there are always going to be these edge cases, right? And it'd be. Yeah. Because because so this is weird because that you bring this up because I I saw a Tesla the other day up close for the I guess I like I stood next to it that was the first time I'd always only seen them driving by and I was like wow it's beautiful you know how how that thing is made yeah. is unbelievable I mean it's just gorgeous I know <laughs> and so, it's like, so I want <laughs> I want one so bad anyway yes but anyway so so what I did is um I read up on the the whole um you know, imaging system and, and how it basically detects where it is in the world and all that. And I think I had previously said it was all uh, optical because that's, I thought at least that Elon Musk had said that in an interview, but I guess it's a combination of three different things, um, you know, three different types of sensors, one of them being video um, or optical um, that do all this. But then in the, in, on their site, they had these, these diagrams of how, how, you know, the car behaves in certain situations <clears throat> and had these like little paths of how the car drives when, when there's other things around. I was just thinking, I don't know. I mean, for me, I immediately went to like the developers writing the software for this. Like, how do they test this? You know, like what is their input data and how does it, how do you set this all up when you have mm-hmm. like a robot driving around probably out in the parking lot and you're okay, let's set up this test again and see if it, you know, makes it this time. And just even all the the algorithms, the pathfinding algorithms to decide how to evade a an object, but still stay, for example, still stay on the road where you have traction, right? And not go into the field where you you get into like a whole other situation where you might, you know, spin out of control and hit a tree or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you even, that that's just mind boggling to me because I've never dealt with those kinds of problems as far as, um figuring out what the what the terrain looks like having a specific goal in mind of where you want to be but having to deviate from that with all these different parameters coming in in real time it's freaking nuts mm-hmm. i mean didn't you you worked That's on some perfect. sort of program where you, you were did some self-driving stuff right yes Yes, I did. Okay. And it, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the human brain is just so interesting. Um, and yeah, it can take in all this. That, exactly. Try to break down your senses into code. It's insane. No, it's, it's, it's not possible. It, I mean, okay, it may be possible, but the amount of computing power required in order to replicate it is not something we've ever done before. I'm not saying it's impossible to do, but I think we're going to have to wait another, you know, little while before we'll actually get to the point where we can do it properly. Um, the, the, the technical term is, is actually called sensor fusion. Mm -hmm. So the idea being you have multiple sensors, i.e. like your eyes and your nose and your ears and your, your fingers. Right. And then being able to fuse that information to tell a story, um, is really, really tricky. It's not something that like our brains aren't really threaded or not threaded or single threaded or multi thread. Like, like threads don't really exist in the brain as far as I can tell. I don't know. I'm not actually a brain scientist, so I couldn't really know, but computers are pretty much threaded, right? Like that's how we've made our computing model. Um, and so trying to figure out how to enable, multiple streams of information and like 
make it perfectly timed together and to be able to take, like you can take two streams of information pretty easily and cross, uh, cross correlate whatever that information is and try to tell a little bit of a story based on that. And so like seeing walls is pretty easy. Um, but like trying to discern the difference between a tree and a rock a little bit harder or a boulder and a bush. Like what's the difference between those two? Um, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I just wonder what kind of like developer qualifications you need to, to work on that program or how, or what, what they actually are like specialized. Um, You know, it's like, is it good if you're a game developer? Because then you have, you know, experience doing 3d stuff and computing collisions and all this kind of stuff. And, um, sure. Sure. Interesting. Um, so yeah, although I heard a rumor, I have no fact behind this rumor, but I heard a rumor that, uh, the, the creator of Swift, the programming language, um, was working at Tesla and quit. Um, supposedly they were working on the, on the self-driving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they felt like it was going nowhere. So who knows? Um, but in general, I think if you want to work on, on stuff like that, you need, you need good linear algebra, <laughs> uh, and preferably some, some differential equations. Um, but beyond that, it's not really like, it really depends on where you want to sit on, on the stack, right? Like if you are cool with just being given instructions for like, all right, build this basic thing um, and we'll just give you the formulas so that you can just kind of figure out how to make that formula work like really fast. Mm -hmm. Then you probably don't need quite as much like academic training. Um, But if you want to be on the forefront of defining how things work, I mean, to me, that's the difference between a, like a self, I don't know, between like computer scientists and uh, software engineers, like, that's the that's the difference I, I I find between engineers and scientists in general. Um, like scientists don't actually care about making it work; they just want to like see what's possible. And yeah, then the engineers they do actually do the research yeah. to figure out the right. theories behind it, right? And then right, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, which is not to put any either side of them down, by the way. Oh, like, no, 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 scientists not at are all. <laughs> extremely important for what they do, and engineers are extremely important for what they do. And asking any one person to do both is asking a lot of a single person. So that's that's why I, I break it down into those two things. Um, I'm much more of an engineer than a scientist, though I was I, I joke that I'm a scientifically trained engineer. So I understand a lot of the science, but I'm like, cool, I get it. I get enough of it so I can go implement it. But don't ask me to like do the research. I hate research. I want to do it. Um, I think. Um, yeah, because you have no so yeah. promise of actually succeeding, right? It could just go right. nowhere. With engineering, it's like okay, it's a, it's probably going to work because it's we have you know a lot of the things are defined and we know how to solve these things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. So. Anyway. Right. I have one more little uh. blurb. I uh, I noticed that the um, so I flipped on the uh, Pokemon Go app. Uh, was it two days ago? And all of a sudden, okay. um, gyms were disappearing. And Whoa. so 
So it was really interesting. The what they're doing, I guess, is they're coming out with a new version of of the app. I read up on it because I'm like, why is it gone? And it's when you click on it, it says "gym under construction." I'm like, what? And it kicked out all of my. Um, so I had six or seven guys in the gym, and um, it kicked them all out. I'm like, that's not cool. So what they're doing is, I guess, they're revamping the app. They're coming out with a bunch of uh, a new features. So one of them is uh, sort of a raid feature. So you can like team up with a bunch of people to raid um, gyms with you know high-powered Pokemon in there. Because if you're on your own, you probably don't have a chance. Or it would take you, yeah. you know, two days to, to take it down. Right. Um, so I guess in preparation for that is what they're 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 shutting down all the gyms and maybe they're rolling out some. They're obviously rolling out a new version of the app, but then maybe also a new version of gyms to accommodate the app. And the other thing I noticed is that um, there are new gyms where there have not been gyms before. Specifically, what I noticed mm. was McDonald's converted from Pokestops to gyms. So they're probably selling, like, advertisement in these things. Mm. Now too. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe their, have... their, their player uh, engagement is sort of dwindling or something, and yeah. uh, they need to make more money. So. <laughs> so I will say this. I deleted the app from my phone the other wow, day. Wow, you're stronger than I am. I, have I just, I was like, you know what, forget it. I'm done. I'm done. I can't keep doing this. Um, and actually, it was because I kept getting notifications saying, hey, it's time to play again. And I was like, no, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> I just was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. I don't need notifications from a game I don't play. So goodbye, game. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have so. any regrets. <laughs> yeah. It's better. It's less it is. spent time, but like I said, I do still still walk the baby a lot, so why not? <laughs> That's yeah, fair. and I'm actually even still using the Fitbit because of that. And I, I had like a few people that oh. now unfortunately have sort of pooped out on me, but I had sort of a competition going with them, so that was kind <laughs> of fun. But <laughs> all right, well, anyway. very cool. Anyway, That's all I got. I think, I think we're we're at the end anyway, it, right? Yeah, we're at the end. Uh, we have a slightly shorter episode this week. Um, it's not because we don't love you. It's because <laughs> timing is hard. Um, yeah. So with that, um, you know, if you um, like come hang out in our Slack channel, Ever, there's been a ton of activity in there lately to the point where I don't even have time to like scroll through all of the conversations. I feel really bad. Um, but if that interests you, like come hang out with us, come chat about whatever. I think the most recent big conversation was, was about observables, which I finally like got to see a talk on observables and it just broke my brain. So I'm just going to avoid them <laughs> for a while. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so come hang out in our Slack channel. You can access it via our show notes, um, which you can find at reactive.audio. Yeah, and another cool side effect or possible benefit is that if um, Khalil's co-hosts flake out again, <laughs> we he didn't might, he, he might, <laughs> he might uh, send out a call on Twitter for a community edition. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, who knows? I mean, we did a second one, or he did. Um, yeah. The last episode was fantastic again with uh, two folks located in Germany this time. 
and uh, yeah. was very very fun to listen to. And it's so it's it's really cool to get to get to know the people that listen to the show a little mm-hmm. bit. So I thought that was awesome, yeah, totally. and I, I think it's a great thing uh, to do. So yeah, if you come and join us, um, there you go. You could be on the podcast. How about that? Yes. And yes. if you like the if you like the show, we would be delighted if you could rate it on iTunes, and you can find a link to do that in the show notes as well. And that's about all I have. I'm H Glattergots on Twitter, and I'll catch you next time. Yeah, and I'm Rockbot on the Twitters. Um, Khalil is Khalil tweets on the Twitters, and you can tweet at all of us at ReactivePod. So um, catch y'all hopefully next week, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it'll be good. We it'll try, we try. Yeah. We try so hard. It doesn't work okay. all the time. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye, everyone.